Shout, and I will be 
Well, good morning, church. Glad that you are here. So I have with me this morning uh, my friend Cammie Hamer, and Cammie is the DCE intern at Peace Lutheran Church. Cammie has also had lots of experience with Camp Luther, and that's why she's with us this morning, because Camp Luther is one of the ministries that uh, we would like to lean into as a church when we think about the challenge grant that's going on, um, certainly there's that financial component. What can we do to help Camp Luther? There's all of us that are in the building now and all of us that were here this morning. What might God want us to do in relation to Camp Luther? So having Cammie here is to kind of give us that perspective of having been uh, you know, a camper who's been there a lot of times. And so I have a handful of questions to ask Cammie and she's got some really thoughtful answers. So here's the first one, okay? Ready. Are we ready? All right. So you had told me earlier that you, you attended the, the camp for many years. So about how many years do you have there? So I attended Camp Luther for five summers as a child. And then I've gone for women's retreats and other opportunities since as an adult. Yeah, good. So clearly a connection there. Yes. Over... A span of time with lots of different experiences. So just thinking about experiences from year to year, say a little bit about how it is that God shaped your heart, shaped your spiritual transformation in the context of Camp Luther. What part did it play? Absolutely. So growing up, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, I knew the name of Jesus as a young child. And just really going to camp is what built that experience even more. Um, it just made faith personal. It made it so that it wasn't just a thing that I did on Sundays. It wasn't just something that happened at school or at church or just in my own home, but it was something that happened in my own life. It showed how um, prayer is something that can happen in everyday life. Bible reading is something that can happen in an everyday life instead of just at special times. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way you framed that, that it made it personal. Here you are in this environment, in this context, and you're meeting God there. Right. Which is, can be different than meeting God here or at Peace Lutheran Church or at whatever, right? Right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, 
So you have this perspective as a former camper, and you now have a perspective having gone through the program to train to be a DCE. You know, thinking about that, why do you think it's important that a partnership be created between 1C Church and Camp Luther? Yeah, a partnership is so important. Relationships are very valuable. We hear time and time again throughout the Bible just how key relationships are and to build each other up as the church. Um, the relationships that I made through camp have impacted me to this day. Um, many of the people I went to camp with, camp counselors and all those people, those relationships are still there. And so as a church, to partner with them, you get to build those relationships. The relationships that don't just last today, through next week, through next month, they're going to last for years. Yeah. And you get to support them and see, um, just show that you are invested in faith formation of so many people. Oh, yeah. That's really good. Relationships, faith formation, that being together and being involved with one another's lives to see that happen. So talk to all of us that are in the room today. What can we do? How can we lean in? and support the work that's going on at Camp Luther? Yeah, so the, the first and most important way that you can support Camp Luther is through your prayers. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says that we are to pray for all believers. And if you know anything about that passage, um, what comes before it is the armor of God. And the armor of God is what you put on to build yourself up to fight against the evil one. And so to follow with prayer for all believers means we are supporting all believers in their fight against the evil one so that their faith may grow. Yeah. So when we support in prayer for Camp Luther, we're supporting and showing we want the faith formation to happen. Another way that you can help camp is to volunteer. There's lots of ways to volunteer from when you are five years old all the way to um, Pastor Jim's age. I won't say that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> you can volunteer many ways there. Um, one of the ways that they look for young people is, Pastor Jim's not happy with me. Sorry, guys. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, young people can help by being um, a future leader. So they have high schoolers and college students who um, help them and help young people to grow in their faith. Um, they have counselors and those kind of people who work with all the kids. They also have volunteers who come in and do service projects. And so that's something that you all would be more than welcome to do. There's lots of service projects that fit everyone's unique talents. I am not good at building things, but there's other areas where I can go and help. I could paint a wall or whatever not. They're gonna fit your talents and abilities. And then finally, the other way you can do it is in your own home. They have projects that you can do in your home to help them out at camp. And so that's a way that if you're not comfortable going out right now, you can do that in your own home and help them out there. Yeah. And then the very last way to support is through um, donations. They have an Amazon wish list of things that help campers. And of course, um, monetary donations are always welcome for them too. And the reason that they ask is so that they can continue to make improvements. Yeah. So in the last few years, if you've been there, they have made improvements to their bathrooms, to their rooms where cabins stay, and to the activities they do, like the new boat dock and all those things, um, just to help make camp just safe and fun and just a good environment for everyone to be a part of. Yeah, lovely. So the kingdom of God is present at Camp Luther. Absolutely. Yeah, and we have an opportunity to enter into that and be part of kingdom building by what we do and the ways we connect. So that's good. Lots of creativity there. 
And now, for your listening pleasure, I present to you the most holy right reverend and young, Pastor James Thielen. You know, I trust you two to come up here. The mission is to share Jesus to the world. That's what it is. It's very simple. And when we're brought into the family of God, we are called to be disciples and missionaries, and we get to share this message. Now, as a church, we have decided, in particular, three missions that we'd like to wrap our hearts and lives around. One is Camp Luther. Another one was United in Africa mm -hmm. um, with Okongo and his wife, Shyla and what they're doing there, fabulous things. And then Youth and Family for Christ. So we've now kind of shared with you some of the vision and some of the things we can do. So we're going to ask you this week in particular to pray. Pray for these missions. Pray for what God is calling you to do with these missions too. And it might be volunteering. It might be every day, every day you're going to pray for these missions. Maybe it's financial. So we're going to leave that between you and God and for you to have a conversation with them about that. We've got this challenge grant. Very excited. We, we can match up to $100,000. And so please consider how can you give so that we can advance the kingdom through your gifts of time, talents, and treasure. So let's pray. Lord, thank you again for oh, bringing us into your family, making us heirs of eternal life, and then entrusting us with this gospel. And we thank you for Camp Luther. We thank you for um, United in Africa. We thank you for Youth and Family for Christ. We thank you for all that they're doing in this mission work. And thanks that we're coming alongside him. So lead us and guide us, and may your kingdom be furthered. Mm. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand and sing.
You may be seated. Come on over just a little bit closer, if you would. We have the blessing of watching and being a part of a baptism. Actually, two baptisms. So what I'd like to do first is always give a little bit of a reminder why we're doing this. Um, I think it's a great tradition. In my family, um, grandparents, parents, us, our kids, grandkids, I mean, it's a really beautiful tradition. But it's more than a tradition. It's something that was commanded by Christ for a really good reason. In fact, if we go into the scripture, we find two very important truths. One is what I call the bad news. We're all sinners. And it just is. And um, sometimes, how old are you now? He is seven months old. Seven months. How old are you? Uh, three. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is that? Uh, three. Three? Yeah. He doesn't care yet. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, but there is a moment when they get into these terrific twos, you know the other word for it too, right? It just is a time where, you know, our selfishness comes out. We call it sin, and we see it, and God wanted to do something about it. So he sent his son, Jesus, and that's the good news. He suffered, died, rose again, so that all of us can have forgiveness and life with him forever. That's, that's fantastic news. And where Jesus brings it home, in other words, brings it home for these little ones and for all of us, is Matthew 28. He was getting ready to go up into heaven. He had people in front of him like this, and he gave them marching orders. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And then he tells you how. By baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, And then he gives the promise, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So it's, again, a beautiful tradition, but it's much more than that. It's the grace of God for all of us. Now, one of the traditions of the Christian church is to ask godparents to come alongside mom and dad in the spiritual growth and development of kids. Now, what does that mean? Number one, pray. You pray for them as they grow up, that they would grow up knowing Jesus, pray for mom and dad because let me tell you, parenting is an incredible thing, but sometimes it can be very challenging. But probably really, really important would be you modeling the Christian faith because they're going to watch you, they're going to see you, and you get to demonstrate the love of God in your actions. So if you're willing to take on a very important spiritual responsibility, then answer, I will, with God's help. God give you the love and faith to do that on behalf of these little ones. Uh, The Christian faith, it is summarized in the Apostles' Creed. It's a beautiful summary, and they're going to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So let's take time now, all of us together, and we're going to share the words of the Apostles' Creed and the faith that we find in it. So let's share this out loud. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I just love this. I'm done with this part of life. Have fun. All right, who wants to go first? Okay, let's do this one. All right. Your rider? Yeah. Okay. Dad, why don't you hold him up a little bit? Rider David Flynn, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Ryder, God brought you into his family. May he continue to bless you and keep you close to him always. Amen. You say amen? Amen. That's good. That works. There's one, so go ahead and applause. Ready, Knox? Knox Thomas Flynn, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God has done an amazing thing in your life, Knox. May God bless you with his love. May you grow closer to him always. Amen. And you probably don't know how to say amen yet. Okay. All right. If you would hold that. All right. As we applaud. All right. Let's pray. Lord, you have done a great and mighty thing. You have brought grace to this world and now into the life of Ryder and Knox. We pray that they would continue to grow. Yes, physically, emotionally, intellectually. But may they grow spiritually, knowing you and loving you every day. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, Jesus said many things while he was on this earth. One of the things he said is, I am the light of the world. So, I want to encourage you on this day, every year, find these candles. Um, I'm going to hand it over here. And light these candles. Remind them what happened on this day and how much God loves them and that he wants his light to be in them and also through them. All right? Well, thank you so much. God bless you. You can make your way off that way. You could blow those candles out. You can, let's applaud all that God has done. All right, as they are making their way off, just a couple quick announcements. Um, trying to get my thoughts together. I just love watching kids and how they just take this all in. Um, glad you're here with us in worship. I know we have some guests. We're glad you're with us. Uh, we don't put you on the spot. We, we, we just like to know that you're here, if you would. You can either go to the family gathering area by next steps and let us know, and we have a gift for you. Or you could text 1C guest to 94,000, and that would let us know you're here. And uh, then you can ask questions, and we can start a friendship together. Also, we'll have prayer in a little bit. If you have a prayer request that you would like included in today's service, feel free to text uh, 402-242-5051 and that'll come to us and we can include the, uh, those prayer requests today. If you're online today, we're so glad that you've joined us. In fact, we'd uh, like to hear your prayer request too so you can text it to there or in the comments section of Facebook and we would uh, like to get to know you there. Um, communion in a little bit. And you know, some of you, maybe you know what communion is, some of you may not, maybe it's new to you. Here at 1C, we believe that Jesus gave a gift about 2,000 years ago on Monday, Thursday, you know, that uh, holy week, and he had the disciples with him and they were celebrating the Passover meal. 
But when he was passing out the bread, he said, this is my body. And when he was passing out the, the wine, he said, this is my blood. So we believe at 1C that this is, yes, bread and wine, but also body and blood of Jesus for forgiveness of sins. So if this is your belief, we'd love to have you join us. In fact, we encourage you. If you didn't get the elements on the way in, you can make your way during the next song, and many people do, so you wouldn't be the first. Uh, you can go into the family gathering area by the kitchen window, and we will give you the elements, either um, wine or juice and bread. Also, hopefully you picked up one of the brochures. Every week we're going to have this so that you could take the sermon home with you, literally. You'll find the Bible verses on the, the back side, so you can take that, read those scriptures, and try to uh, consider a little bit more what the theme was today and what God is trying to speak to you and to me. You'll also find in here that there's lots of um, announcements and places that you can go to get more information. I mean, example, today we're going to have our, um, our summer camp blast open house. So if you want to see what we're going to be doing during the summer, you can make your way through the campus and you'll be able to see what's going on. Uh, we also have our Holy Week services, and they start next Sunday as we do Palm Sunday. And then as we go into the week, we come together Thursday for Monday, Thursday at 6.30. And then Good Friday, we gather together at 6.30 and remember his death and sacrifice. And then we come for Easter to celebrate the resurrection. And that is, again, a celebration of the victory for you and me. Service times are 9 and 11. <sighs> That's it. Let's sing, okay? sing together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy Every other name. Oh. 
Boys and girls, do you like to go shopping with your family? I like to go grocery shopping. It can be a lot of fun. You can pick out some of your favorite foods. And you know what? You can even have a lot of fun putting the groceries in the grocery cart. And when I go shopping with Kate, um, I usually follow along behind her with pushing the cart because she knows what's on the list and she knows where everything is at in the grocery store. So I follow along and I asked Jake here to come up and help show what it looks like when we go grocery shopping. So Kate finds something and she tosses it to me and we put it in the, in the grocery cart. What you got there, Jake? Yeah. Cereal. Chips. Whoa. Almost missed that one. What else you got? Fruit. Oranges. Bread. What else? All right. Keep. Eggs. Yes. Wait, was that eggs? Thanks for your help, Jake. I think. I'm going to check these out. Hey, here's one that's not broken. Look at that. Oh, must have a really hard shell, huh? All right, those were not eggs, boys and girls. You do not want to treat your groceries like this. Just so you know, if you get asked to help get groceries, don't do this. That's not a very kind way, not a very loving way to treat your groceries. You know, I really could have broken some eggs if there were eggs in here. I think these chips are a little crumbly now. Uh, The fruit yeah, that's probably going to bruise. That won't be good very long. We, we don't want to treat people the way that I just treated those groceries, do we? No, we don't want to smash people, whether that's their body or their heart or their emotions. We don't want to bruise people and hurt people. We want to be loving, right? And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love does not dishonor. So love honors others and it protects others. So we want to honor and protect people too. This is not a good picture of that, but Jesus is the perfect picture of what it looks like to love someone that way because Jesus left his place of honor in heaven to come to this earth to rescue us so that we could be protected. And Jesus was willing to be, to be beaten and hurt and have awful things said about him so that we could be called loved, forgiven children of God. And Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to die on the cross for us and rise from the grave alive so that we have life with Jesus to live in his presence and under his protection now and forever. So that is a great picture of what it looks like to love others. Will you pray with me? You can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us, for rescuing and protecting us. Help us to share this love with people around us. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Jake. (laughs) Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Sing with us. 
sing, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Cause I am Speak 
as we prepare to receive Holy Communion, the Bible tells us that we should examine ourselves. And what that really gets at is this. We need to be honest with God about who we are, our battles, our struggle, our sin, and then we get to be reminded of his forgiveness. So let's go to him in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, you came to this earth as a babe of Bethlehem, and you came with a purpose. You came to seek and to save the lost. And Lord Jesus, we're going to be honest with you. We, we are the lost. We're lost because of our own individual sin. And we would be lost for eternity, but thank you. Thank you that you decided to do something about this. Thank you for your journey into Jerusalem. Thank you for your journey to that upper room, ultimately to the cross, where you died for our sins. And we thank you that even after three days in the tomb, you rose again, and your resurrection is our victory. So remind us of all that you've done for us. Prepare our hearts to receive this very precious meal. Uh, you are such a gracious and loving Lord and friend. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would, uh, take out the communion elements at this time as I do every week. I'm going to share with you the scripture first. So this is where we find Jesus uh, speaking and instituting or starting this precious meal. Then after that, I'll invite you to take the elements individually. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread. And then take and eat. This is the body of Christ for you. Then if you would... Open up the wine or the juice and take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Lord, we are again thankful, thankful that prayer is something that you call us into. So we are your gathered here this morning in your sanctuary. We bring you our hearts, our minds, everything that's in us. We will speak some prayers and there are prayers in the hearts of those who are here, those who are listening. You know them all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. A prayer of comfort for the families of those involved in a very tragic car accident last night. A prayer for my daughter who has a double ear infection. And again, for my boyfriend who was in that major semi-accident last night. 
Lord, we pray that your great love would sweep over the world and deal with the hate that is all around us. Lord, we thank you that the COVID vaccine is becoming increasingly available and that more and more people are now able to visit with their family members. Lord, thank you for being with my daughter, Jennifer, and for all the good results from her cancer treatment. You have truly blessed her with your love. Comfort, grace, and peace for my sister-in-law, Sandy, and her family. Her sister died very suddenly yesterday. She needs the warm arms of Jesus wrapped around her. Praise and thanks to the Lord God. He is about his healing all the time. He does this in his way, in his time. And may he receive all the glory. Jesus, a prayer for the strength and the knowledge of my children to make good decisions as they weather life's never-ending storms, that they can make these decisions with grace and with faith. And help me to reopen their eyes to all the blessings God has given us and to help them forgive all that they have ever felt slighted for. Lord, a prayer for my daughters to find love and happiness. They do need you. I ask you to bless them and to guide them. Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. All in your time, teach me patience and trust. And prayers for Bentley and Carson. They get to celebrate their second and fourth birthdays today. There's our prayers, Lord. You know them. You know all the ins and outs and the details of them. We lay them at your feet. We ask you to pick them up, to handle them, and to bring the answers in your way. And to anchor that, we say the prayer that you taught us to pray. We pray this as your people. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I would like to request that you um, buckle up and get ready. We're going to fly. There is so much we're going to talk about, and we're going to be taking 1 Corinthians 13 once again, and we're going to stop and pause and reflect. What is God saying to us? And so, if I would, let's uh, put it over here to uh, the New Living Translation. Remember, every week I'm going to give you a different one so you can get a flavor of the many different ways people have interpreted these words for us. So let's read these out loud together. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, 
and endures through every circumstance. God's word for us. Uh, once in a while, I will look at the New Living Translation because it, it says it in a little bit different way, but a beautiful way. Now, remember where we've been. We talked about in the very beginning what matters most is love. And God is the one who gives us love. And there's one of those kinds of love in particular that is special and powerful, and it's the agape love. It's the one that generates from God's heart to his people. And now what Paul does is he takes that word agape, and then he starts giving us some words to consider. Uh, the second week, we talked about love be, is being kind. And so when we take the agape love and we, we put it with kind, it's, it's a force to be reckoned with. Third week, we went in and we talked about love does not envy, but we talked about it also in another way. It means to be thankful. Thankful for what I have, thankful for what other people have, and not being envious. Last week, Randy talked about love is humble. Well, this week, we're going to take a look at these words in particular. Love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. And I'd like to flip it a little bit and use this phrase, Love is respectful. Now, I don't know what your definition of respectful is. My guess, you've felt it, learned it over the years. Uh, I have a couple definitions I'd like to give you that I followed. Um, here's one. This is actually uh, what you call etymology. Following the, uh, the history of a word. And you go back into the Latin, and it literally means to look back again with regard. And if you read a little bit more into it, it talks about how in Latin and other languages, you could take two words and put them together and it makes a word. Like the word originally was spectacle. So you see the word in respect, right? Spectacle means to look. But when you put the word re in front of it, it means to look again. And as we had that definition, to look back again with regard. So it's like taking a double, double take, right, and having regard. And here's another definition. Respect is showing value and honor to others by our actions. So we're going to have those as somewhat of a benchmark for us to have a definition. But I want to give you a visual and a, um, maybe something you're going to smile with, depending on if you're a dog or cat lover. I'm going to tell you a story. We have a dog. That's Coco. You can all go, oh, right? She's posing, you know? Uh, let me tell you, when we come home, I mean, she is jumping up and down. She is just excited as can be. I mean, she is, I mean, over the top. And, and we love it. We, we kind of appreciate it. But there's a difference between a dog and a cat, right? Because we've had them both. Like a dog, this is my definition. This is what I believe dogs do. They know that you're the one that feeds them. They know you're the one that's going to take care of them. They know that you're the one that's going to do all the things that are needed. And they kind of look at you like you're God. And it's a great feeling, isn't it? You walk in and you're being valued and appreciated. Cats, on the other hand, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to offend because we've had lots of cats. But, you know, a cat knows who feeds them. A cat knows who's going to take care of them. A cat knows that you're going to just look out for their general well-being. But the cat thinks it's God. 
A little different, right? They just lie around going, come on, do it for me, right? So we're going to maybe have the focus of the dog for this, at least this illustration. This looking back with a sense of regard and excitement and appreciation. So uh, Jesus talks about this idea of respect in an interesting way in one of the best sermons ever written, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people, and he says these words. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So he says, do unto others as you would have them. And all of the scriptures point to this. So he's saying this is a pretty important thing. So when you look upon somebody, and when you're treating them, treat them as you would want to be treated too. Okay. Now 1 Peter 2 this one might make you a little uncomfortable. Show proper respect to the people you like. The people, oh, um, political party that you're in, you, you know, show respect to them. No. It says, show respect. In other words, look back, look again with regard to everyone. Wow. All right. This is a quote I found 10 years ago, and it stuck with me, so I'm going to put this up here. This is why we respect. You will never lock eyes on a person that God didn't love enough to send Jesus to die for. Read it again. And I challenge you, if you're in conflict with somebody right now, and you feel like not respecting them, picture this. There's not a person on this earth that God doesn't love so much that he sent his only son. And if God can have that kind of attitude, what about you and me? I'm gonna, and I'll be honest, I struggle with this. Sometimes I lock my eyes on somebody that I am having a lot of disrespect for. So we're going to walk through three different categories. One of them is I think it's just gigantic. It's a challenge for this idea of respect. It's that of marriage. Now, why do I say that? Here's the scoop. When um, I've done a couple hundred weddings, often I'll have the pre-married couples in my office and we're doing pre-marriage counseling. And one of the questions I'll ask in the beginning is, why do you want to get married? And maybe it sounds like I'm trying to talk them out of it, but I'm not. I just want to know, why do you want to do this? And I'll hear all sorts of things. We love each other. We fulfill each other. We're best friends. It's really, really good stuff. But then I say here, here's the scoop. When you say you want to get married to somebody, everything gets turned upside down. It's instead of life being about just me, when you say you want to marry somebody, it's about we. So the M literally gets turned upside down. It becomes about we. And we have lots of great discussions. And one of the things that I do is I'll share with them a whole bunch of Bible verses that they can use on their wedding day. And some of them, 1 Corinthians 13, a lot of people have had that. It's a really beautiful verse about what love is and what love isn't. But one of the verses that I often share is one that they immediately check off the list. Maybe you know what that one is. Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Now that's the start of it. It just gets better. In fact, then I start reading more. I read this one. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And at that moment, really? Guys start sitting up straight. Gals are going, oh, we picked the wrong pastor. What's going on here? And before, well, and sometimes I actually picture that the guy, guy thinks, maybe we should make a banner out of this for our wedding day, because this is a beautiful expression of scripture and such a truth. Well, then I say, wait a minute, there's more to the story. And we get to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, husbands, guys, we need to be willing to die for our spouse. That's a pretty big commitment, isn't it? And so I try to help people understand that when Paul uses the word submit, he's not using it as in the sense of uh, being a doormat, letting people wipe their feet on you. That's not what it's about. But it means giving yourself over, trusting, respecting, and loving no matter what. And that's a big commitment. Really important. In fact, it closes uh, the section in verse 33 says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I think Paul gets it. He understands it. There's enough studies that have been done recently that, guys, if you had to choose between love and respect, you'd much rather have respect. Women, you'd much rather have love. And I think Paul, 2,000 years ago, understood that, and he's now putting it out there for the standard for attitudes in marriage. And in fact, in Romans 12, he says, take delight in honoring each other. So take delight. Be happy about it. Look for opportunities to show this kind of respect and honor and value. In fact, remember, do a double take to your spouse with a sense of regard. All right, now the next category, um, I think it's very fitting. We're going to talk about our leaders. And before I get into what I call the obvious topic at hand, and we'll get into it because we just went through an election cycle and all of that, um, I'm going to share with you from Thessalonians where Paul says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. And I just want to tell you this. When you walk in here, um, there are people who give of their time and their talents to welcome you. We have greeters. In fact, you know, when we have snow, I mean, there's one person in particular, there's a couple people sometimes that make sure that that snow is cleared off so we can make our way in. You come in, we'll have the greeters. You'll come in, and if you glance, you're going to see people at cameras. You'll see a sound tech um, booth up there with a whole bunch of people. And then you're going to see people up here that come week after week after week after week to serve you. Paul says, respect them. In other words, do a double take. And maybe on your way out today, I know they, they don't want this because that's not why they're doing it, but thank them. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Week after week, even before service times, you're, you're doing a lot of things for the work of the Lord. 
The other group I just want to acknowledge, we have a board of directors, leadership team. They meet every single month. We pray, we, we have a devotion, and then we get to the matters at hand. And sometimes we're there for several hours into late evening. And we're talking about things that pertain to you and church. So I just want to say thank you to the leadership team. But there's another group of leaders. This is the one that's probably going to be more challenging for you to consider. Ready, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. 2012, I was visiting a church in Colorado, and it was a really big church, um, lots of people, and it was shortly after the election. And so the music goes on, and then they get to the, the sermon. And I can't remember exactly where in the, the sermon, but it was pretty much at the beginning. He put up a picture of President Obama. And he says, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to confess my sin. I have not respected him in the way I should. I have not prayed for him. I have not um, spoke well of him. And I'll tell you, it convicted me too. I mean, I don't think I was speaking ill of him, but I wasn't necessarily respecting him. He wasn't in my prayers. He wasn't in my thoughts too much, you know, unless it was something maybe negative. So I think these words are challenging for us, especially when either our party or the other party wins. And if it's somebody we like, boy, respect is so much easier. But Paul tells us we should respect we respect that office and we respect the fact that for whatever reason, God has allowed this person to serve our country for these next four years. And we respect them. We do that double take with regard. And so I want to challenge you to be thinking that way, no matter who is in the office of president or whatever offices that are there um, elected. Here's um, another scripture from Romans 13. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who so will bring judgment on themselves. So it's a, it's a pretty serious thing for people like you and me to make sure that we hold up this office and we hold up whoever God allows to step into it. But here are some words that, again, bring it home. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I'm going to take a little liberty because back then when, when this was written by Paul, there was not Facebook. Okay? So it's not just whatever unwholesome talk, but whatever we type should be for the purpose of building up, not tearing down. And I'm going to tell you it's hard to do, but it's important to do. In fact, the second half of verse 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when we don't listen to God's word, when we don't listen to his command, when we go our own way and we do this disrespect thing, we make the Holy Spirit sad and frustrated, maybe even angry, when we are not obedient to the calling. Harsh words, I know. Um, I wrestled with this as I was writing this this week. And I've asked, how, how am I doing? And honestly, not perfectly. I want to do better. 
So join me as we pray. Now the third category, so we have marriage, we have leaders, and then this one. Respect everyone always. Why? Is it because um, we're always good? I want you to consider this. That same, that quote I gave you, there's not a single person that God doesn't love so much that he, he didn't send his son for. So no matter what, we are to love. I mean, example with, with like Kristen and I, there are many times, many times, respect is not the first thing. There are many times where, you know, I want to fight, I want to disrespect. That's my old Adam's sinful nature. And we need to learn to do it better. Now, there's a couple categories that you'll find in the book of Leviticus. How many of you have read from the book of Leviticus recently? It is, okay, way, way to go. It's a really obscure book. I mean, there's a portion of scripture that will say, like, if you have mildew in your house, you should have the priest or the pastor come and inspect it and then do all these certain things. Don't call me if you have mildew. But it does have some really, really good words for us. Like here's Leviticus 19. Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Boom. And I'm going to say certain cultures do it better. I mean, I did a paper a long time ago about the Walton generation, if you remember that show. Three generations living together. And there was so much respect and love that was given from one generation to the next. They didn't always get along but they did have a sense of respect. And I think we could do better in our country, maybe in our own lives. Another one, um, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. And then verse 15, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Wow. And, and sometimes that happens just in our own minds, maybe not in actions, but it's very tempting to do it. And I thought about some of the different categories. So, example, relationships. You might have certain feeling about certain people. I mean, why do you think there's jokes out there about in-laws? Right? Because sometimes there's a clashing going on, and yet we're told to love and respect. Or how about this? Races. And I say this not because I'm proud of it, but it just was what it was. I flew shortly after 9-11. And I remember getting on the plane looking for certain people. It just creeps in. Kind of comes. Or the idea of generations. I'll just tell you, um, there are some churches out there, and we had a moment like this, one time, Kristen and I went to visit a church. We're walking into the church. I don't know if we had one or two kids at the time. But the very first thing, and I think the usher was like this at the time, and said, we have a nursery. What do you think we heard? Your kid is not welcomed in church. So I'm going to tell you this. I love the sound of children at church. I really do. I think it's a beautiful sound. So consider that. 
or with, with any age person that may come in here. The other one, socioeconomic groups, right? Rich versus poor, poor versus rich. You may have thoughts in your mind about what that means or what that looks like, and yet we're supposed to be respecting. And then we get to this political party thing. I mean, that's, that has divided our country, and, and I've said this already. I'm 59 years old, I've never seen our country more divided. What would make a difference? It starts with me and then us. I think it's a challenge. We still have a lot in front of us. Perhaps if we consider Proverbs 15, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. An example, there are times that I have a differing opinion than my wife. And sometimes I want to get into some kind of dialogue. It's called argument, right? Fight. And then she pulls this, I'm going to talk nice to you technique. Or, or she'll say, hey, let's pray. I'm like, no, I want to fight a little bit. I've got territory I don't, I don't want to lose. But just think about what Proverbs says. This is wisdom words. Can you imagine if we started taking that into our homes, our workplaces, our schools, I mean, wherever we are? Can you imagine if we really started working on a gentle answer versus a harsh word? All right, Jesus talks. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I think this is where we can, as individuals and as a church, become brighter than ever and add seasoning to this world by what we do, by what we say, and by our actions. How do we do this? Because just like I said with marriages, we're pretty selfish people. It's all about me. And when I don't get what I want, I get ugly, right? So here's the picture, and literally it is a picture, and I want you just to look up there for just a moment because we're going to come on this soon. Holy Week, next week, Palm Sunday, that's when it starts. And then we go through Thursday and Friday and then Silent Saturday, as they, some will call it, and then Easter. But that moment, there were so many things going on there. First, Jesus was dying. He was in the active stages of dying. What did he do during that. A couple stories that come, I mean, they speak volumes to me. There was one moment when he looks down, again, actively dying, and he sees his mother. And it's like he does a double take, right? And he says, John, would you take care of my mom? Would you? Is that evidence of respect? Yeah, beautiful. Or how about the, the thief on the cross, the one unrepentant, all about himself, hey, take yourself off, you know. But the other one said, do you remember the, what the question was or the request? Lord, would you remember me? Actively dying, Jesus is ready to dispense respect. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He wanted those gentle words of forgiveness and grace and hope to be with that person as he's taking his last breath. 
But the one that gets me, and I'm probably taking a little bit more liberty with the text than I should, but when Jesus was there, moments from his death, and he is there, and in front of him, he's in front of everyone, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Wow. I think in a narrow sense, we could say he was speaking to the people right there. Yeah, the guards and everybody else that were part of his crucifixion. But I also believe he's, he's got a bigger vision than that. He sees people like you and me. He knows that we need forgiveness. We don't know what we're doing at times. And he did all of this so people like you and me can take the love that he's given and then start sharing it. So love is kind, yes. Love is being thankful for other people. Love is being humble. And now this one, love is being respectful. No matter who. Because when God looks at people, there's not a person that he doesn't love enough to send his son for. May God's Holy Spirit work within us to have such a faith and a life that honors him always. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to invite you to stand as I share with you the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace, now and forever. Amen.